Good morning, Christ United. All right, if God's been good to you, would you give him what he deserves? I'm Jeff. I'm lead pastor here at Christ United. Um, If you aren't familiar with this, this week, I guess, from a, a, from a standpoint of the Christian year, um, this is uh, how the Christian year is remembering the things that happened in the life of Jesus. This is called Holy Week, and most people know, or many people might know, this is called Palm Sunday because it commemorates what is ex- expressed as being one of the greatest expressions of praise and worship uh, to God that was ever expressed, and it's called the triumphal entry. Jesus was going into Jerusalem, um, and we kind of think of it around Sunday of the week uh, of Holy Week, leading up to the following Sunday, first day of the week when he was uh, raised. Well, as he was entering into um, Jerusalem, it said that people were just so fired up that they that people actually took their cloaks and laid them on the ground on the path in front of him as he rode a donkey like a king would into Jerusalem. And they took palm branches and were probably waving them, were definitely laying them on the ground in front of him as he made his way into Jerusalem. And they were shouting real loud, Hosanna. That's like, you're the one who saves, we give you praise. Hosanna. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they're like shouting. And so it's expressing this worship. And very often, if you've been in church over the years, you might have been given palm branches and you wave them. And it's this celebration time of worshiping him. And before you leave here today, I'm going to invite you to the most powerful and extravagant expression and experience of worship that you may have ever had in your whole life. But it will not be based on that experience. Because that experience was largely based on what everybody else was doing. The reality was that, and sometimes you might feel it here, that you feel like your heart stirred because the music is powerful and you see other people and they seem to be getting into it. And and in this environment, everybody says Jesus is Lord. And in this environment, everybody is lifting him up. And that's the way it was going into Jerusalem. And so everybody was shouting loud hosannas and you would be caught up right in with them shouting the loud hosannas. But most people know that by Friday of that very same week, Those very same people, many of them who were shouting loud hosannas, were literally saying, away with him, crucify him. So you go, man, what's born out of just everybody else doing it and what's happening there is not really an expression and experience of something that is profound and extravagant in worship. But man, do we find one in that same week. It either happened two days before or two days after that triumphal entry. But what had happened was Jesus was in this place called Bethany. I'm going to tell you where to read about it. I just want to tell you the story. You can read about it later because the beautiful thing about the Gospels is that you have several accounts of the same experience. And by reading the different accounts, you begin to see everything that happened. Okay, so it's like three witnesses to the same event. It's powerful. And here we have one from the book of Matthew, chapter 26, verses 6 through 13. And another one that's in the book of Mark, chapter 14, verses 3 through 9. And then another one that's in the book of John, chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. And so I encourage you to take those. You've already read it. If you've been reading through the Bible, I hope you've been doing that, right? And going through the Bible with us as we're reading. Um, You'll be reading more as you come into the book of John about this experience. But here's what happened. They were in Bethany, and they were actually at the house of a man named 
Simon the leper. So obviously a guy who had been healed of leprosy by Jesus was now hosting this this event in Jesus' honor, and they had a meal there. But it, it was in the very place where Lazarus, do you remember Lazarus who had died? If you don't know the story, Lazarus had died. His sisters had called Jesus to come to him while he was sick. Jesus had waited until he was already dead. He got there, and these two sisters who Jesus loved and their brother who Jesus loved, Lazarus, were all they were wrecked. Their brother was dead, but Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. Powerful experience. Well, guess who was at the table in Bethany? Lazarus was one of the guys reclining at the table. So you got Simon the leper who had been healed, and you got, you got Lazarus who had been raised from the dead there. But also Martha and Mary, these two precious sisters who deeply loved Jesus, and Jesus loved them. He had cried with them and cared deeply for them. And so here Martha and Mary are. It says that Martha was serving And we learn from the book of Mark that that Martha had a a strong tendency toward that. That was how she showed her love was by serving. And then also Mary was there, okay? And, of course, all the disciples were there. Lots of people apparently were there when this was happening. And so picture that. you got the the setting that everybody's there for dinner and, and, and everybody, you know, it's in Jesus' honor and there's a lot of conversation and stuff going on. But then Mary takes this, this alabaster jar, like a, almost like a plaster of Paris kind of thing that they would make, this translucent kind of white. Uh, it, it was made to hold precious things. And, and she had this alabaster jar full of a pint of pure nard, this phenomenal perfume that was so expensive that it would have cost, that one jar would have cost a full year's wages for a laborer to buy it. So she had, it was probably her life savings in that, in that jar, okay? So she had this, this jar of pure nard, this beautiful fragrant perfume. And while everything is happening, and I'm assuming other people are talking, and Mary and Martha is serving, and, and all the other stuff is happening, she breaks open that, and she pours that perfume. And we learn from the, the, the different accounts that, that not only did she pour it on his head, as he reclined at the table, but she also then poured it on his feet. And as she poured the perfume on Jesus' feet, she sat there with her hair, her hair hanging down over Jesus' feet, and she wiped his feet with her hair. Imagine that. And so as she wipes his feet with her hair and this perfume has been poured out, and John said that the fragrance of the perfume completely filled the house. And as it filled the house, I want you to just think about this, that everybody in that room, everybody in that room had reason to be right there with her. Everybody in that room had reason to be right there with her, just going, Jesus, oh, Jesus. I mean, one of those guys had been raised from the dead by Jesus. Another had been healed of leprosy. Nobody wanted to come near him. He had to cry out, unclean, unclean, everywhere he walked until Jesus came up and brought him freedom from that. And then Martha, the one that Jesus had cried with her and loved her and cared for her. And, and then you've got people like, like Matthew. Matthew, the disciple, who was his, he was notoriously sinful in the eyes of everybody. 
And yet Jesus took hold of his life and changed his whole legacy. And Peter and Andrew and James and John, these ordinary fishermen that Jesus had come along and called them to himself and, and actually would ultimately call them his friends. This, the son of the living God, calling them friends. Every one of them had reason to be going like, oh, Jesus, Jesus, just every one of them had reason to pour out their life savings on him. Every one of them had reason to just be adoring him and worshiping him with this abandonment in that moment. But instead, instead of people like joining in, like going, yes, let me go get my perfume. Let me get there. Let me wipe his feet with my hair. Let me join in this, this awesome expression of extravagant worship. Instead, they became indignant. And, and starting with Judas, Judas was, was the one who actually had a heart that was pretty sick, right? I mean, all he really cared about was money, but here's what he said. Why this waste? This perfume could have been sold for like a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And John's the one that called attention to the fact that it was Judas who said it first, but did you learn from Mark that he wasn't the only one who said it? A bunch of the other guys are, just, yeah, man, this is extravagant, and this is ridiculous, and this is a waste, and, and this could have, could have fed, fed a lot of people, right? It could have fed somebody for a whole year and a family for a whole year. And as they're complaining about it and fussing about it, Jesus looked at them and says, leave her alone. She has done a beautiful thing. And then he says, she's done what she could. She's anointed my body for burial. It was intended that this would be safe for my burial. She's done the right thing right now. She has poured out her love on me. And then, then Jesus said, wherever the gospels preached throughout the world, this will be told in memory of her for what she's done. It was that beautiful. So she's at this place, and you're wondering, like, why? Why did these other people not join in? Why was it that there was this opportunity? And you understand that it was like one of their last opportunities to like really get to Jesus and really express their love for him and adoration for him. Why was it not happening for them like it ha was happening for her? Why did they not join in? They were doing good things. I mean, Simon the leper was hosting, right, a big, a big meal for Jesus. And Martha was doing a good thing. She was serving him, right? And I just want to ask you, do you ever find yourself in a place where you're so busy serving him that you're not really paying attention to him? That, that you're serving him and you're doing all the things, whether it's in church work or outside in, in the world, and you're serving him and you're serving others. You're so busy serving that you're, you're off of the... The very one, the very one that you, that you are actually here to worship. So Jesus is in the room. Jesus is in the room. And there are others about good things, but they're missing the fact that I've got the opportunity right now to pour out my love and my adoration, this extravagant worship toward the one who will be giving his life at the end of that week. For them. Anybody here besides me ever been in a place where you're where you're doing good things, right? And you're you're thinking about the ministry like these guys who are complaining. I mean, for a lot of them, they were in a place where it was like, 
I'm thinking about all the people that I'm supposed to be ministering to. We're supposed to be taking care of the poor and we're supposed to be doing good things. How many people are so caught up in doing good things for people and doing good things for the poor and you're thinking about all the people you're ministering to? These people, these guys have been called to be ministers, right, by him and given ministry. But how many people have ever been so caught up in the ministry that you're doing to others that you, you lose sight of the one who actually gave you that ministry, the one who actually gave his life for those people that were supposed to be loving. Anybody here besides me goes like, wow, I could be there. Jesus could be in the room. And what's interesting is, it's that for some of them, they were so busy judging her. They're looking at her and all they're thinking is, is what a waste. How embarrassing. How what is this? What is she doing? And they're so busy looking at her that instead of joining in with her, they're actually criticizing her for the way that she's expressing this outpouring of love for him. And Jesus says, she's done a beautiful thing. And you get the picture of what he says. This was intended to be saved for my burial, but she did it now. I just want you to think, have you ever heard that thing? Give flowers to the living. You ever heard that? You know what I'm saying? I mean, give it, show them love. When you got it. She showed me love while I was still alive. She showed me that love while I was still alive. And how many people have been like, you've been, I don't know, when are you going to show it? When are you going to pour out what you've been saving up? When are you going to actually express that extravagant love for him? She did a good thing. She did it now. It's a good thing to do. Y'all, next week when we have Easter services here at the sanctuary, both in this building and the other one, but right out front in the lobby, there'll be a, a cross made of like, like chicken wire for you to just bring flowers and stuff them into that cross, a living cross that you can just bring those flowers and you bring them next week if you want to and you just stick them in there and just let's just make something living and beautiful to just say, thank you now, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done for me. But, but anyway, that was kind of like a, a, a commercial. But here, here we go. <laughs> Back to the regular program. Here we, we are. I, I want you to know that, that what she did, what she did in this was so beautiful in the heart and mind of Jesus. Why was it so extravagant? Why would she, why was her worship so extravagant? It was because his love was so extravagant. It was the way he loved her. Do you get that picture? It was the way he loved her. It's what he had done for her. It was what he was going to do for her. And with all that in mind and everything busting forth in her spirit, she's just like, the way you love me, what else can I do except pour out everything I have to you and for you? And if you're sitting here thinking, man, out of all the people in the room, Jesus is in the room. He's in the room today. He's in the room today. And out of all the people in the room, the question is, is what's keeping us from joining with Mary in just extravagant worship? And one of the things is, is sometimes we're so caught up in serving him and so caught up in ministry and so caught up in our lives or we might be like Judas. As a matter of fact, somebody here is like Judas and you know it. You're so caught up in your money and your own. Jesus has never really meant anything to you except for what he might be able to do for you. And whatever the case may be, you're just in a place where it's like, I realize that Jesus is in the room and I'm, I have not yet been at that place where that extravagant worship poured out to him. 
But if I look back and I realize all that he has done for me, I would be like the leper. Man, have I forgotten what it feels like to feel totally unclean and he cleansed me? God, I've got to worship him. Have I forgotten what it's like when I was dead, like literally dead in my transgressions and sins, and he gave me new life? Have I taken this new life so much for granted that I just live it without thinking every moment of every day about just pouring out my love on him and saying, thank you for raising me to life? Have I taken the ministry that he called me to, and I'm so busy in the ministry that I forgot the very one I'm supposed to be ministering for and ministering to? If I, am I just at a place where i got to be, God, i got to get back? But somebody here is going like, but you're talking about all these people, all the people in that room seem to know him. All those people in that room seem to have been with him a long time. Uh, that's the reason they must have worshipped that way, because they had been there. You know what I'm saying? They had been worshipping him. They'd been following him. And so maybe one day... I'll be able to be that person who will worship him like that. I want you to know where Mary learned it from. Mary learned it from another woman. That was in Luke chapter 7. And it'll blow your mind. This other woman was just a woman who had lived a very sinful life. And as she had lived this very sinful life in the town, there was someone hosting a party for Jesus, but she just showed up with an alabaster jar of perfume. And while everybody else was doing their thing, in fact, people were looking on her with judgment, going, that's her, that's her, we know what she's done, that's her. And while everybody else was looking on her with judgment, she broke open her perfume and she just poured it straight on his feet. But she didn't just wet it with the perfume, her tears dripped down on Jesus' feet. She cried, and her tears wet his feet, and she dried his feet with her hair and then poured the perfume on his feet. And the Pharisee, the super righteous man who's in the house, is looking even on Jesus with judgment, saying if he was really a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching her, that she's a sinner. And as this precious woman is pouring out her love, and I'm thinking, when did Mary hear that story? When did Mary think, i got to do the same thing, man? i got to do the same thing because he did for me what he did for her. He did for me what he did for her, and I want so bad to join her. I want to be there at his feet like she was. I want to pour out everything I got to him because, because his love for me has been extravagant. And so that sinful woman who wept and wiped his feet with her, with her hair, Jesus said to the man who was hosting the place, I want, I want to ask you a question. Let me tell you a story. There were two men who owed a certain money lender money. One of them owed 50 days wages, the other one 500 days wages. But neither had the money to pay, but he forgave them both. The one who owed 50 days wages and the one who owed 500 days wages which one do you think loved him more? And the guy said, well, I suppose the one who was forgiven more. He said, you judge rightly. He said, I came in your house and you didn't give me water to wash my feet, but this woman hasn't stopped wetting my feet with her tears. You didn't give me a kiss, but she hadn't stopped kissing my feet since I got into this room. You didn't give me oil for my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. You're right. 
The one who loves more is the one who has been forgiven more. And I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as you can see by the greatness of her love. But Buddy, the one who has been forgiven little, loves little. And his point was not that he didn't have much to be forgiven of. His point was, you must not have been forgiven or you'd be with her. And so how do you express extravagant worship? Like, how does it come? And I remember my experience of being in the mountains of North Carolina with my family. I went down into this little place where nobody could see me. And I'm just going, I'm just doing air. I fall on my face. I jump in the air. I, I spin around. I sing loud as I can. I'm embarrassed of my voice because I don't feel like I sing good. But I'm singing to the top of my lungs. And I'm just going nuts in that room, just pouring out my love on him. Extravagant pouring out of love, and something hit me, and this is what I felt like the Lord said, why don't you ever do that when people see you? And I made up my mind that day. I'll do it when people see me all day long. I don't care. The beautiful thing about, well, the beautiful thing about Mary, do you get the picture? It didn't matter. I'm not worried about looking beautiful and dignified. My hair is matted with dust off the feet of Jesus into the oil that I have poured on his feet. And I don't care. And I don't care that people are judging me. That sinful woman neither had cared that people were judging. All she thought was, I'm going to pour out my love to him. And if you're a guy, if you're a dude, and you think that's how chicks worship... I want to remind you of David. David, this warrior David, the David you've heard about who slew giants. He's the one who wrote the most beautiful love poetry to God ever written. Among other things, he wrote Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. But he didn't just do it. In that, in that place, maybe in the secret places, when he was coming in, Second Chronicles chapter six. I mean, Second Samuel chapter six. Read about it. Jesus is leading the the procession where the ark of the covenant that represented the very presence of God was coming back into Jerusalem, and it said that David danced before the Lord with all of his might. And as he danced before the Lord, he didn't dance with dignity. He danced freaking out. So much so that his wife looked down on him and despised him. Oh, how the king has distinguished himself by disrobing in front of the servant girls like a vulgar fellow would. And his response to her was, I'll become even more undignified than this. And I'll be humiliated in my own eyes. Nothing's going to stop me from giving him what he deserves. And listen to this. I thought as I prepared this sermon, what do I say to the person who's wondering what's in it for me? You know, why would I even do this? Why would I even do this? What's in it for me? And I'm so glad I got the answer. For once, would you do something that's not about you? 
for once, would you just care only about him? Jesus is in the room. Jesus is in the room, and I'm wondering if anybody here like me wants this room filled with the fragrance of perfume. If anybody else besides me wants this place, wants to say, like Mary did, I need to be where that woman was I heard about. I need to be on my face before I want to weep over. I want to, I want to express extravagant worship because he's done for me what he did for her. I want to remind you of something. Psalm 141, verse 2. May my prayers be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. You know what the psalmist was saying? He was saying, God, when I pray, I pray it would just be a sweet fragrance to you as I just pour out to you and just tell you what an awesome God you are. As I pray, I pray, Lord God, that it would just be sweet and beautiful, that it would just, it would be like the fragrance of that perfume filling it, like when they would burn incense before the altar and they would burn the incense and it would just fill the room with smoke and the beauty of that. Do you remember in the, in the revelation that God gave to John, actually it was Jesus that came and appeared to John after his death and resurrection resurrection he appeared to John who had been at that place when that worship was going on at Bethany John was right there smelling the fragrance and Jesus said let me give you a picture of what it's going to be like when we get in heaven and he saw this throne and he saw 24 elders and four living creatures this beautiful amazing holy awesome experience and they were all surrounding Jesus and as they were surrounding Jesus each one of them had a harp and that harp was just the songs of worship they were pouring out and each one of them had a bowl and you know what the bowl was? A bowl that represented the bowl of incense, which he said was the prayers of God's people. The prayers of all God's people. I'm just going to encourage you to do something. It's going to be real high on your weird meter, but I just don't care. <laughs> I want to ask you, as the praise team comes out, before they even strike a note, I'm going to ask you if you would just begin right now we usually don't pray out loud in this place. We usually don't pray out loud. Here's why. Because when there's prayer, there needs to be agreement. We need to be agreeing. So how can I agree when I don't know what somebody else is saying because I'm busy saying my own? Here, here's what I believe God wants in this place. I believe he wants this room filled with the fragrance of the prayers of his people. And I'm going to encourage you to not care, to be like Mary. People can see my hair matted up. People can see me however they want to see me. But right now, I'm going to pour out my love to him and so I invite you now to just begin praying. And you say out loud to God whatever it is that's on your heart. And as we go into this time of worship, maybe later God will speak. And he'll speak to you and you'll need to be silent and listen. Maybe the praise team as they sing and pray and, and we hear scripture and we do whatever we do. How many people want to just spend a little while in this place this morning extravagantly worshiping the one who has extravagantly loved you. So I invite you to pray. Go ahead. Just start praying it out. Just start praying it out. Just go ahead. Feel free. Fill this place. Don't be afraid to pray loud if you want to pray loud. Just pour out your heart to him. Forget everybody else in the room. Forget everybody else in the room. Don't try to call attention to yourself, but just give attention to him. 
join us. If you want to stand in a moment, stand. If you want to come to this altar, come to this altar. If you want to fall on your face, fall on your face. If you want to get on your knees where you are, get on your knees where you are. But spend some time right now joining Mary in extravagant worship.